Hello, hello. Today I bring you a conversation with Carl Steyart. Carl is a NVC trainer, IFS practitioner, and transformational facilitator, and general change agent, I would say. Um, and his work focuses on equipping people with skills for inner and interpersonal work, conflict resolution, um, nonviolent communication, um, and with skills to collaborate more effectively and be able to show up more fully in community and collaborations um, so that people can be more effective when going to do something about the many challenges that um, humanity is facing at the moment and feel more nourished in, when doing so together. And for that purpose, Carl and three others hosted three month-long trainings slash residencies, community residencies, last fall in France. And today we'll dive into some of the learnings uh, that Carl took away from that, and some of the things that he would do differently now, or they, they as a team would do differently now, and things around leadership and how to frame an invitation, how to make sure everybody uh, that comes there um, has similar expectations. And yeah, if you want to stay up to date with uh, Carl and his team and the Embodying Collective Transformation project, uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter of the Cultural Catalyst Network, and it's linked below. And yeah, um, without further ado, I'd say let's dive into this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Carl. Hey, Jonas. Good to chat with you today about the Embodying Collective Transformation Residency that you and Jocelyn Ames, Catherine Tran and Nadine Helm hosted between September and November, um, or actually three, three of them in a row, um, three month long residencies. And today we'll uh, dive into some of the learnings that you took away from those. Um, and happy that, that you're willing to share those and uh, um, yeah, be public about it. For a more extensive dive into why you did all of these things, um, like what's the ideological, philosophical underpinnings to to what you did in this project, um, I can really recommend an episode of the Life Itself podcast where you and Theo from Life Itself discussed like the the why um, a little bit more in depth. We won't go into that in so much detail um, in this conversation, and we'll link it below in the show notes. So. Um, yeah, do you just want to talk a little bit about just a brief um, description of like what happened, what what was the format, um, just just so everybody's on the same page? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the general format uh, of the embodying collective transformation residencies was, as you said, three uh, separate months. Although some people or one person actually participated in all three months all the way through, and we as the hosting team, the four of us you named. Um, were present for all three months, but each month consisted of a week-long training at the beginning of the month, and that was a quite intensive morning through evening uh, period of us introducing some core practices as well as some connection activities, some orientation to the community, to shared living, um, but that week then was a more intensive schedule of uh, sharing practices and developing some shared competencies in personal, primarily personal and interpersonal uh, skills. 
some looking also at systemic um, and larger world work. Um, and then the rest of the month, the remaining, remaining approximately three weeks of each month was then a more co-created community residency. So the not everyone from the training remained on, but, but the majority of the people who participated in the training continued for the rest of the month, living in three houses that were all connected to one another, living together, learning together, cooking meals for each other, cleaning the house together, and continuing to practice many of the practices we explored in the training. So different forms of inner work, uh, basically forms related to things like nonviolent communication, internal family systems therapy, uh, but also other skills about collaborative decision-making, interpersonal practice, giving and receiving feedback, making uh, decisions together, navigating um, really all those dimensions of the interpersonal community scope, as well as looking at our work in the world. Um, but that the rest of the month format was much more co-created using something uh, approximately an open space technology format, um, but had a lot more space for some people to do their own individual work and sort of to dip in and out of being in community. So it was a much less intensive format. So that's one layer of description of what we did for three months straight in Bergerac with 15 to 20 people uh, present at any one time over the course of those three months. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. Thanks for that summary. And I was there myself for November and I have to say like this three long period, uh, three week long period uh, at the end of it, um, that was like where the rubber really hit the road and like most of the learning occurred for me. Um, so yeah, really appreciative of, of doing it like that and you guys experimenting <laughs> with that in that way. Um, yeah, maybe let's just stay with that. How, how did that work out, that shift between training and uh, open space or co-created community living? I heard you talk about like some challenges before saying like, I wouldn't do it like that again. Um, if you maybe wanna dive into that a bit. Sure. Yeah, maybe I'll start by saying, you know, what was the initial logic behind that format? So I think there were really good reasons behind it uh, in the sense that many of us, myself included, have experienced many workshops or trainings that we've attended or somebody we've done a course or, you know, learned some methodology. And the potential is that we learn a method but without actually putting it immediately into practice, without actually not only doing it once during a training, but doing it over and over again, it can be very difficult for people to actually implement and embody the new skill or the practice. And so really the logic behind this format was, okay, let's introduce people to some really core practical practices for self-connection and connection with others and connection to our work in the world and give those in an intensive form and then really spend the rest of the month putting them into practice, learning how we can actually live this and not just do it in theory or not just do it in the ideal scenario of a training, but how does it actually happen? As you say, when the rubber hits the road, when we're beginning to annoy each other, when we've, when the, kind of the, the honeymoon phase of the first week of being with new people wears off 
and you're actually beginning to get triggered by each other. You're beginning to have challenges with one another. And so in that sense, it was really designed to support this embodying collective transformation. How do we embody these practices? And I'd say the good thing about what happened is that I, I think it did that in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, many, many people, I think, found that the three weeks, as you said, afterwards gave us a real laboratory for seeing, okay, like, all right, we've looked at this method once, like, okay, how do I talk to somebody and have a challenging conversation? Or how do I have this courageous conversation where I have some challenging feedback for somebody else? And how can I do it in a way that's connecting, that actually stands up for my own needs, but is also holding their needs with care? Yeah, you can do a nonviolent communication class or read a book, but how do we actually do that with people we're going to be encountering day after day? Um, so in that sense, I think it was successful for most people to really have to practice that again and again, and sometimes stumble and get back up and then support each other. Um, I think the other thing is it allowed us to reap the benefits of having done such, such intensive work together at the beginning, building a lot of intimacy, vulnerability, closeness, trust, such that the rest of the month for most people was a chance to really soak up this beautiful community, this, this sense of, wow, here are other people who know me where I feel all of me is welcome. So that sense of being in a community where our whole selves are welcome, and, and by whole selves, I mean, not just the pretty bits, not just the parts of us that are, you know, friendly on our best behavior, but oh, wow, like, that person has seen the parts of me that I feel shame about, have seen the parts of me that get contracted and controlling. They've seen the parts of me that freak out or get angry or the parts of me that get really sad and get are kind of depressed for days on end, you know, that we've, we've not just seen that in each other, but if we're really practicing the practices, well, I think in most cases we were, there's enough compassion that those seeing each other's and revealing our own more challenging aspects can actually be healing, you know, so that, that, so that actually just living with other people in a field of welcome of all of who we are can actually lead to some pretty profound organic healing, as well as the healing that came from our regular, more therapeutic processes that we were practicing with one another. So those are the positives. And as you said, there was a way in which I found myself a few times saying, never again, <laughs> never again, this exact format. And by that, I mean, a couple things. One is, there was a big challenge in shifting from the leadership format of having a training with four people really clearly in the role of facilitators um, and myself most particularly as kind of the lead facilitator like having that clear of a differentiation of roles for the first week then followed by three weeks where the explicit invitation was for more co-creation and shared leadership and i would say for Many people, I would even say the majority of people, that shift seemed to work. Like I think, and I think it really depended 
my perception is that it had a lot to do with people's prior experience with shared leadership, people's prior experience of sharing power, of decentralized leadership, of co-creation, um, of self-organizing. And so in the cases of many people, that idea of shifting from more clear sort of trainer or people with some more experience offering certain skills and then moving into more of a shared leadership form seemed to work quite well. But for some people, that was a really, I think, novel and quite a challenging shift. And I have a lot of compassion for why that might be, because if we're coming from a conventional, like most of when most people hear leadership in our society, at least in the sub the the culture that I'm a part of in in the West in Western Europe and in North America, that leadership comes with a certain degree of static role as okay, these are the leaders and these are the followers, or this is the teacher and these are the students, or this is the boss and these are the employees. And so, for some people, I think it was destabilizing to really entrust somebody with leadership to see this as, okay, wow, like this is somebody who's holding space for us and I can release into being held. And then to be invited into the possibility of actually now we're going to co-create. And so there's a few things that I would do differently and like uh, and again I'll, I'll kind of pause to sort of see how this lands for you but maybe i'll offer a bit more and can always edit out parts that <laughs> that don't seem most relevant but um so for some people that shift in leadership structure was quite challenging and i i think also if people haven't had an experience with with things like open space technology or self-organizing there's a learning curve to this idea of, oh, I also shape, not only am I invited into shared leadership, but I'm also shaping how I spend my time. I'm shaping like what happens with everybody's time. I'm, I'm making offerings if I want them, or I'm asking other people to make offerings if they want. So that requires, and we did of course cover this in the training, but that requires a certain degree of familiarity with one's own needs and ability to make clear requests to fulfill one's needs. And all of those things are things which people can learn and which people were learning, I'd say quite effectively in the training week, but not everybody was at the same point on the journey, either in the beginning or even after a week or at the end of the month. And so in an attempt, it, it was very difficult at times to, approach things in one way that could work well for everybody. And I think some people just needed a lot more stability in the leadership structure for a longer period of time, which for some people felt at times overbearing. You know, some people wanted more freedom from leadership and wanted more shared leadership. Some people wanted more top-down leadership. And then some people actually had internal conflict about it and sometimes wanted more <laughs> strong leadership and then sometimes wanted to rebel against leadership. So those were the major challenges I saw with the format. And there are many possible ways that I would approach it differently, uh, but maybe I'll just pause and see how that lands because I yeah, want to uh, 
sort of keep keep it in dialogue form. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, thanks for opening it up so um, widely and deeply at the same time. I um, there are a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, first of all, like w when you started out talking about the the idea behind and the benefits of this format. Um, uh, that's really like the, these two aspects that you named uh, one this having built trust and being able to then um, engage with a learning process in a much more healing and deep way afterwards and like um, resol resolving the tensions that inevitably come up um, in a much more uh, generative way than otherwise would be possible it was like a massive part of my experience as well I was like oh wow actually this works around here like we can actually do this um and at the same time to just use the net like the natural friction that just comes up when people live together for a while as the learning material like at, at a certain point it, it's not necessary to kind of come up with examples anymore because you're doing it all the time and that's where like the learning really happens and um yeah something about that um that principle of uh, inoculating a space with some practices and then just letting it un un unfold and like letting letting the system run itself <laughs> and uh, teach itself uh, was really cool. Um, yeah, and when it comes to leadership and like that shift, um, I also noticed some parts of me that were confused about the shift because um, I think we had a conversation about this at some point. Um, there was a moment when when we kind of um, symbolically uh, in November. Um, kind of ended the the training week and we <laughs> came up with this little ritual where you and Jocelyn uh, were sitting on these chairs and, we, and then we kind of took you into the circle and made you um like two two among many uh, instead of the the two facilitators um and at the same time we didn't really talk about how um what that means now because you still held some more responsibilities and you still had more oversight and you still had different roles in a way but we didn't really make it super explicit and i think what i remember from our last conversation about this is that it was it also wasn't super clear for you maybe how you um could find a role that works for everyone <laughs> in the space uh, and kind of fulfilling all of the different needs and also within myself i noticed like yeah some parts of me are really happy for you to be holding more of the oversight and and having um yeah just feeling responsible for for the integrity of the whole um and some parts of me were like wait i, I thought we were equals now <laughs> um, so like there, there's this polarization in a way of like um wanting to like feeling really good about being held and also rebelling against it a little bit and um yeah I feel like that's that's the skill that we all need to learn together is how to kind of step into and out of power and make it very explicit what it means in those moments and um, kind of learn to dance with it a little bit more organically. Um, yeah, and I feel like that there's no way around this pain, maybe like that, that's the way to to learn these things, right? Is to be in that discomfort. Um, yeah, and super curious to hear like what are the things the specific things you see you would maybe do differently next time yeah thanks Jonas for your reflections it's really meaningful to hear how your experience was and to really make this a dialogue and just then to sort of step off from one of the points you just made one of the things that I think 
I would do differently and will do differently in the future and that actually happened differently each subsequent month but still could go even further is the point you made about being really explicit about transitions being really explicit about roles being really explicit and it's like we thought in september we were being explicit about these things and it turns out you know it's there i think a few factors impact what what ends up happening like one is everything takes more time than we expect things are more intense and saturating than we sometimes realize so to really communicate something effectively doesn't just take saying it once but it may it may take slowing down giving time and space to have it integrate you know repeating it again you know really having people put that learning into practice so um so yes, one of the things would be to communicate those transitions even more clearly. And part of that is also being very explicit in the promotional materials or in the announcement or the, the pre-training materials so that people can really digest and prepare and really self-select for, for what they can expect from the culture and from the particular uh, event. And again, we thought of ourselves as doing that to a decent degree. And it just, for me, the experience reinforces how explicit we need to be about, about that format piece. So that's one thing that I would imagine doing differently. Um, another, you know, it really does depend on a few other factors, but if we're if we were dealing with the same range of different people that we had like people coming from such a, in a sense a certain breadth of background some people with a lot of experience and as i said in self organizing and shared leadership some some people with none some people with a lot of experience with modalities like nonviolent communication or internal family systems other people with none and so when you have such a wide range of previous experience, it's that combination of doing a training immediately followed by an intensive three-month, three-week residency <clears throat> that I don't imagine doing again. Because I think for an extended residency to be really successful, there ideally people need to be quite grounded and prepared for the level of intensity, the level of emotional vulnerability, the sheer amount of emotional processing that inevitably comes up just living with other people, if people haven't even lived in community, not to mention to do additional inner and interpersonal and systemic transformation of practices on top of that. So if we're talking about people with such a broad base of backgrounds, I would in the future, clearly run an up to one week training. And then at the end of that training, people go home or integrate or, you know, on their own. And that then they could apply or express interest in joining for an extended program of multiple weeks. Because it's it's a significant commitment, not just in time, but in terms of emotional energy and preparedness. And that would give people a chance to really have a week-long experience, which what I found quite fascinating is that even the people, there were a few people in 
the residencies who in the end, at the end of a month or the end of two months, had some significant concerns, upsets, critiques. What was interesting is that those people, in my experience, universally, all at the end of one week were very, very positive. In fact, I even looked back at their feedback after one week and their feedback after one week was very satisfied, really enjoying the experience. And it was then when it continued that I think the intensity began to, to really take a toll in terms of what people's systems could hold. And so for that reason, I would really separate out a training from an extended residential program, especially for people who don't have a prior background to be able to navigate that kind of intensity of ongoing community. Um, and then so, and then that points to a potential third sort of modification or adaptation, which would be if I were to run a month long program in the future where I would actually have a more rigorous process of filtering, interview, application, self-selection so that everyone involved could be really clear, both the people who are hosting the space and the participants, really clear that there's an appropriate match between people's capacities and what the capacity of the container is, as well as a good match between what people's interests are versus what the container is actually going to involve. For example, just to get, make it this really concrete, for some people, exploring intimacy and sexuality was a really passionate interest coming into the community. People were excited to be exploring touch, be exploring conscious, but you know, sensual relating with other people. That wasn't necessarily something we had put as central to our vision of what was gonna happen. But once people felt the safety and vulnerability to express themselves and make requests and trusted that other, or had some degree of trust that other people would sort of have healthy boundaries, People were interested in exploring, oh, like how can we, not necessarily in a purely sexual or romantic sense, but more just in the sense of, oh, doesn't it feel good to have a hug? Doesn't it feel good to be able to have touch or lean up against somebody or put our arm around somebody when the other person is consenting to that? And some people wanted to explore those themes and sexuality as well more deeply in a conscious way. And for others, they weren't necessarily expecting that theme to be involved at all, much less to be a major theme that came up. And we didn't necessarily anticipate how much polarization would end up occurring. And in some ways, I kind of kick myself for not anticipating that because I've lived in community for many years. So I know that sexuality and intimacy come up. I, I knew that it would come up as a theme. I just didn't realize how polarizing it would be for some people for whom intimacy might've been only associated with sexual romantic partnership and where they had a real difficulty trusting that other people had safe boundaries around any kind of exploration of physical affection or uh, sensuality. And so 
that's one thing that in the future, I would want to be very clear, not just about content, but also people's comfort level and people's um, sort of experience and competency in navigating these kinds of themes. Um, and, and it really came from the fact that we were trying to tackle such a breadth <laughs> and somewhat depth, but such a breadth of topics from the personal all the way to the global really and what we were looking at. So, yeah, um, a few things stand out to me. Like, one is this, um, yeah, just this idea of being more explicit about what the space is and who it is for and what benefits people might expect and also what they are expected to contribute or bring or um and and that like to the the green meme parts in me <laughs> that sounds like oh that, that's excluding people and on the other hand it's like no that's a, actually a really compassionate thing to to be very explicit about uh what what the space is and what people can expect from it um because it just saves everybody involved a lot of uh, energy and enables the people that in, end up being there and saying, yes, that's exactly what I want to have a way different experience than if they're kind of busy um, helping along others. And those others uh, also will have a better experience if they're in a training week. Um, and then they have some space after that going back to their not really like usual communities and kind of integrating and growing there and then coming back maybe a few months later to to something like that um i just really like this idea of um, or it, it resonates with me to to separate the different purposes of of different programs or modalities um yeah and 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 you mentioned before, like some people had a strong need for being held or having like a like a clear leadership um, position that they can rely on, and and I can see how that is given in a training and not so much in a community residency, maybe. And yeah, with this the amount of self responsibility that that is given there is just a lot higher. Um, Do you want to say something? I had a question just before I started talking and now I forgot it. <laughs> um, I have one thought of yeah. something that comes Please. to me as you're yeah. speaking, which is um, a distinction that uh, the teacher David Data, I don't know if you've heard of him and his work, but David Data is someone who works a lot with actually with sexuality. But the, but the point that he makes in in one of his in many of his talks, he mentions this is applicable not just to work around human sexuality. He distinguishes between what he calls therapy, yoga and spiritual practice. And this is just my paraphrasing of, of what I understand him to mean by those three different modes of transformational work. It's like, so he, he uses the metaphor of a stained glass window. And that if you imagine a broken stained glass window, that like therapy is um, mending the the broken glass so it's like it's somehow like repairing the broken glass in the stained glass window that's therapy and yoga is shining light through the window regardless if it's broken or not and just allowing the colors to shine through 
regardless of, of its brokenness. And then spiritual practice is like realizing the oneness of the light and the broken glass. And I, at least this is how I recall him speaking of those three different modes. And I, what, what I found powerful in the training that I did with him once is that he was very explicit at the beginning of his training saying, this is not therapy. This is yoga. And what he meant by yoga is like, this is like a purifying fire, or this is where we're really learning to like manifest the full aliveness through our this instrument of who we are, but it's not necessarily healing our wounded places. And I think there's regardless of that exact framework i think i would want i want to be more clear in the future about people understanding like what is the purpose as you said of the space as of a whole of the gathering as a whole and any particular session even what is the purpose is the purpose therapeutic and by that i mean in a if i want to create a truly therapeutic space then ideally there's a lot of compassion there's a lot of gentle receptivity, sensitivity to people's struggles, insecure parts. And in my view, a, a real attempt to make it a very safe environment for people to reveal vulnerable parts of themselves and get the support to heal those parts. Like that, that to me is a more therapeutic kind of environment. And that's different than, for example, let's say if we look at a business meeting or something like that, it's like, I'm not expecting in a business meeting that people are going to be slowing down on every agenda item. If I seem like I'm a little bit distracted or upset to check and empathize with me or see how I'm doing, or if I need some deeper listening, you know, that because that's not the purpose. The purpose is to get a business agenda done. And similarly, there could there can be other spaces which I think can be really meaningfully transformational in different ways that aren't necessarily going to be therapeutic in a deeply empathic way. Um, you know, maybe the point is to learn how to navigate conflict. Maybe the point is to practice making decisions. Maybe the point is to look at our work in the world. You know, whether it's practice-based or theory-based, there are many spaces that aren't necessarily going to have the degree of emotional safety or empathy that people might expect from a therapeutic space. And so while I personally am a huge believer in therapeutic spaces and I want them to exist, I'm probably most interested in communities where that's one of the things we can be doing when we consciously set aside time and space and leadership for that to happen, but that it's that therapeutic work is happening within a larger context of the full range of life experience, where we actually can shed some of those specific roles in order to all be human beings, getting a many different purposes accomplished in parallel. Yeah, yeah, I really lo love this picture of of shining light through, regardless of its brokenness of the uh regardless of the brokenness of the glasses like just exploding out like all of the different things that are there and just taking a look at them uh and discovering what's there and that that's really what this um 
did for me as well. Like it, it brought up things I didn't know that were there for me before. And it, I didn't necessarily heal them there, but now I know that they're there. Um, and, and that just happens through the interaction and like the engaging in this interaction uh, with others in a close container. Um, and I think that's a really fun and interesting and really valuable thing uh, to grow together. Um, you mentioned before uh, some of the tension or challenges you experienced maybe were due to the breadth and depth of things that you tried to cover. Is that something you would kind of reevaluate um, or what, yeah, what's your take on, on just the amount of different things that you try to do? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating question. I don't know that I have a clear, yeah. you know, I, I don't know that I have a static answer except yeah. to say what comes to me to say is that, I never want to stop. In other words, I always have this longing and it's such a deep hunger to constantly be weaving between the inner, the interpersonal and the systemic. And, and so I don't, I believe that's actually essential or to me it's essential, which is how can we recognize that it's necessary and even I think ultimately inseparable to be working on ourselves, like healing my woundedness, becoming aware of my blind spots, my shadow, where I have parts of me that are just like longing for my own love and my own compassion so that I can feel more ease in my own body and my own nervous system and also become aware of all my kind of unconsciously aggressive or otherwise offensive or damaging or disconnecting behaviors that I have. Some of them I'm, I've healed or begun healing and some of them I'm still at the beginning stages of working with. So doing that inner work as well as really navigating the practices of how do we make decisions together? How do we communicate with each other? How do we navigate conflict interpersonally? And how do we look at this question of what is happening in the world? And how can I not be, you know, I sometimes that I, how can I not wait until I'm somehow perfectly healed or enlightened before I engage with political, economic, and other forms of cultural ecological systems on the planet, because there's a lot that needs to be, well, I think there's a lot that can be done, you know, and I'd like to be engaging. So, and I, I like this metaphor of, I don't need to swim perfectly in order to save a drowning person in the water. You know, it's like, it's like, I can still be perfecting my breaststroke and my crawl and, and still be saving people's lives who are drowning. And so similarly, I can keep doing my inner work and the interpersonal work. And in fact, I think it serves my effectiveness in the wider world work. And at the same time, yeah, I just think that we need the whole spectrum and that they complement one another. And I think what I would, compared to what we did in the residencies, I heard some people naming they would have liked more attention on the world work or the systemic work earlier on in the training or or at least more fully covered or connected. Um, and I, I take that point. I take that point. I think I do have um, at times a sense of, okay, let's lay a really solid foundation in the personal and the interpersonal. 
And then people will more effectively be able to move to the world work because in some ways, I, I sometimes think that people can bypass the depth of the inner work that's needed because it's uncomfortable. And so in, in order to not feel the discomfort, the shame, the, the painful feelings that these unhealed, exiled parts of us feel inside, in order to not feel that, I think that some people want to jump to action or jump to theory or jump to talking about, yeah, but why aren't we doing more about the world situation? And of course, yes, I wanna be looking at the world situation, but as much as possible, not as an avoidance of the inner and the interpersonal work of that vulnerable work. So in the long run, I would say, I'm not intending to change my overall approach, but perhaps more sophistication and subtlety in helping people bridge that integration is something I'll keep working on probably the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I, I so recognize this urge to jump into action uh, as like a coping mechanism for not having to deal with something definite, uh, difficult. Like I've done it myself in the past and I see people around me doing it all the time and I'm probably still doing it sometimes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And I want to say like just some feedback for you. What this residency did for me was very much encourage me to jump into the water and, and help someone that's drowning even though my skills aren't perfect yet um so yeah I, I, that kind of um yeah percolated through uh in a very organic way i was like oh yeah actually i can start doing these things i don't need to um go through like some official uh training regime that takes three years or something and costs ten thousand Uh, bucks or something uh, I, I can start doing the work now and learn more and and recognize where my boundaries are with it so um that that landed <laughs> at least for me <laughs> um lovely to hear yeah i'm wondering about time this 10 minutes until the hour do you have a hard stop or is a few minutes over okay for you well, a few minutes over yeah all right cool um just um thinking about what <laughs> what would be meaningful to dig into still um So I've heard um, that you and the hosting team set the goal to have more energy afterwards uh, than before. How did that work out? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, <laughs> thanks. I, I'm really pleased that we had that idea from the beginning. It's like, okay, that would be a good sign. That would be a sign that we've really done something right, <laughs> at least. And um, I would honestly say that in many ways, that was the case. In many ways, I did feel energized and nourished in very meaningful ways by the end of the three months. I think I will put an asterisk by that as well. Uh, as, but, and I, I'd say that was particularly supported by the fact that for whatever variety of factors, I'm sure one of which is not, this is not the only one, but that November was probably the smoothest and most enjoyable of the three months. And I think one of the factors was that we learned a lot from September and October, and therefore we could execute November that much more effectively, at least from my perspective. And so with that, really 
November ended up being a space in which I felt so much more able to be myself, to relax and enjoy, to be a part of community, to contribute, but in a way that felt much more choiceful. And so that really did make the end of November. I'm not sure if we had said the end of September, or the end of October. I'm not sure I would have said that I was more nourished than at the beginning or, or feeling better at the end than at the beginning. But the, the one kind of asterisk I would put even at the end of November is that I felt nourished in a lot of ways. And some of the challenges of the time really did also take their toll, such that I'm still kind of unpacking and learning from my humbling but important lessons in my own growth. And uh, but yeah, but overall, I'm really glad to say, and it, it continues to feel very true to me, is that overall, like my celebration of both how nourishing it was for me and how much people said it contributed to them really far eclipses the the parts that were really like not so easy or unpleasant. So, well, yeah, I'm uh, glad to hear that. <laughs> um, and what what did you do to support yourself? during that time or how did you as a hosting team kind of nourish each other or stay stay um, resourced throughout this very long period of being in a position of um, responsibility or leadership or holding capacity are there any things that like particularly worked well uh, to Yeah, no, I love the question because it's such a one of my biggest, biggest celebrations from the three months is the remarkable degree of mutual support that we had for each other as a team was to me extraordinary. I mean, it, and it it teaches me a few things. One is that the time and energy we invested, we started meeting in the spring. So basically, as a team, I pulled the group together. I can't remember exactly which month, whether it was April or May. But in any case, we had essentially more than three months of meeting on a weekly basis, typically, not just getting work done together, not just planning and organizing, but also connecting. So we had connection calls. We really tried our best, and we were doing this very explicitly, to practice what we were preaching or you know, to walk our talk. So that meant... We practiced IFS with one another. We tried to practice empathy and NVC with one another all the time during our business calls, during our connection calls, just like really, really building intimacy, sharing vulnerably, pausing when we were getting stuck or when we were when conflict or tension was arising in a meeting, we would pause and empathize. So we've been doing that for months. And I think that enabled us to come into the three months with us depth of knowing each other, of feeling emotionally supported by one another, such that when things got tough, we generally stuck together. I mean, yes, there were moments, of course, like there were moments of conflict between any number of us on the team, but they really didn't last long. Like there was always that commitment to coming back into connection to working things out and especially when things got challenging with the group or with participants toward any of us we always had each other's backs so like when i really felt heavily heavily like under strain 
I was deeply touched and like grateful for how immediately like Nadine, Jocelyn and Catherine were right there, like offering emotional support. And similarly, when they struggled, we showed up for them. And um, concretely, that looked like us not quite every day, but most days of certainly the weekdays, most days we would check in for at least half an hour to an hour and sometimes for an hour and a half, two hours. So we really took time not just to check in around logistics, but to offer empathic listening, to offer an IFS session, to take a walk, to hold each other, to cry on each other's shoulders. And that that for me was the sort of like steady heartbeat of emotional support that got us through so much. Um, yeah, beyond that was also just like allowing ourselves to be community members. Like one of the things we we said to each other frequently is just like, oh, there's no way this is sustainable for people to be in a holding role for an entire month, much less three months. Like, no way. Like, that's why it's like, that's at least not not with that number of participants, not with that format, not with just four of us trying to run a community as like as well as do learning. So with that, we really, and that's why we wanted the format of, you know, the three weeks being more co-created is that, you know, we wanted to allow ourselves also to just enjoy the pleasure of playing board games together or having a singing evening or, you know, hanging out with friends. And those moments were just divine you know it's just so sweet to have a dance party with other people who we feel close with and who we care about the world in the same way and want to do good work in the world together so yeah all of those things nourished us a lot yeah yeah i can really um, imagine how having built that trust beforehand makes things so much easier when uh, when tension comes up during the event and uh, knowing like okay i know how to process with these people uh there's no question there this is my home group i i can fully rely on them um yeah it sounds super valuable is there there's so many threads i would like to pull on still <laughs> and um i know we're almost on at time and i'm just wondering if there's anything else that stands out to you that we haven't touched on yet that you find valuable mentioning Well, there's so there's so much we could explore, mm -hmm. and I'm glad to look at look forward to more conversations with you and and others about it. But I think the thing that comes to me to say, and hopefully I've conveyed the essence of it in other times in this talk so far, is just I, I really <laughs> want to both celebrate and acknowledge the challenges of of experimentation, you know, and just I acknowledge my own profound imperfection and blind spots and fallibility as a human being. You know, it's like every bit, I was sp speaking actually with one of the other participants from um, one of the residency, I was speaking with Yogesh earlier this morning um, and he was with us in October. And, you know, what I recognize is that 
every bit of challenging feedback I got, every criticism I got from people, because I got my share of, of criticism and, and critique, you know, every single bit of it, whether whether it was a grain or whether it was a mountain of what was said had truth in it. Like there was always something really important and valuable for me to look at. They all, every time somebody criti criticized me, they were pointing out and, and mirroring a really important aspect of what I have to learn. You know, I like to believe that it probably revealed a lot about what they also are working on, especially if they were really triggered when they offered me that feedback. But nonetheless, it's like, there's a reason why I triggered something for them. <laughs> and so like, I can't just get off Scott, you know, completely clean and say like, oh, that's just their stuff. It's just projection. It's like, no, like I really have plenty to learn. And that's, it's a tricky thing to kind of put oneself forth in the world and say, oh, I want to help host a space or I want to help introduce practices to people or help host a community and to be human, you know, <laughs> to be fallible. And it's an experiment. It's a risk to do. And maybe I would have, you know, I, I probably would have been a lot easier on me and on us if we hadn't taken such a big risk, if we had kept, if we had played smaller, if we had done just like a week long training or just like one month or, you know, or kept it to 10 people or kept it to people who we knew really well or set the bar higher for people's backgrounds, you know, all of those. But I, I don't have regrets. I don't have regrets. I, I have lots of learning. And I think that that's maybe that is one of the takeaways is that I would also say is how to calibrate what kind of challenge we take on according to what our capacity is or willingness is to be with the potential consequences of that risk. And in on the whole, I mean, I'm a little, you know, I, I have some grief about like some of the consequences of some of my choices for sure. But on the whole, I feel like it was a really positive learning experience. And I have a sense that we were able to contribute a lot to a lot of people. And so on the whole, I feel really good about it, but uh, yeah, humbling as ever, but, but, uh, and uh, as, as we like to say, right. Another, uh, another fucking growth opportunity, like uh, AF, AFCO, here we go. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Um, yeah. I love what you just pointed to in this and uh, saying like, every bit of feedback had something, uh, some truth in it. And there's some signal in like, no matter how it's presented, there's something for me to learn. And that's um, one of the qualities of, of the space that, that it was ECT um, that I so appreciate is like this, like everybody's willing to look inside and kind of clean up on their side of the street and, uh, and, and also expect others to do the same, but like, first I do that and then uh, then I go out and, and see what you have to offer and um yeah that's that's really valuable to be able to do that and uh, I super appreciate you being willing to kind of take that risk and and put this work out there and um be like be willing to to be criticized and <laughs> and to deal with the consequences of experimentation and um yeah it's super cool yeah and thanks for a debriefing together. I, I really enjoyed this. Um, and yeah, 
uh, really appreciate you taking time to share what you learned. Thanks so much, Jonas. Super fun for me. It's really valuable because yeah, I could I could do this for hours and hours. <laughs> yep. It's really it's really valuable to learn from and uh, yeah, just to help improve the future experiments. Yeah, sweet. All right, looking forward to it, and I'll catch you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>